tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm Jill, and today I want to talk about the cycle of misery. We drink expecting all of these good things to keep coming our way, but there's a limit to the amount of alcohol that causes pleasure and good feelings. If you continue to drink after that point, you only get the bad stuff. In this episode, you'll learn why this drink limit exists and what's going on in the brain to cause the discomfort, anxiety, and depression that we feel after the alcohol wears off. I'll tell you about dynorphin, which is the opposite of an endorphin, so you can make a quick assumption about what that is going to do in the brain. And then in the second half of the episode, we'll focus a lot on anxiety. So let's dig in.
alcohol, it triggers the release of endorphins, which go on to bind to opioid receptors and release dopamine. These endorphins are responsible for the euphoria that you feel, and the dopamine that's released afterwards causes your brain to form a memory of the pleasurable experience, what you were doing when you had it, how you got it, and more so that it can help you remember how to get this pleasure again in the future. I explained endorphins in depth in episode 11 and dopamine in episode 62 if you want to learn more. A receptor is something on the outside of a cell that a chemical will bind to, like endorphins. So endorphins bind to opioid receptors and that binding causes the receptor to signal the cell to produce dopamine. This isn't the end of the story though. The brain always wants to maintain a balance and endorphins have something that balance them out too, called dynorphins. Endorphins relieve pain and cause euphoria, but dynorphins cause discomfort, anxiety, and depression. This causes the horrible cycle of misery that people who are addicted to alcohol or opioids end up in. We drink or use to feel euphoric and relieve our anxiety and depression, but then as the drugs and alcohol wear off, everything comes back much stronger, and only more alcohol and drugs will relieve it quickly so we start the cycle again. Over time, the euphoria becomes weaker and the agony becomes stronger. Dynorphins are often called the feel-bad chemicals. In addition to dynorphin, when we try to stop drinking, the brain releases stress chemicals like corticotropin releasing factor, which goes on to activate the adrenal glands, causing them to release cortisol. I explained stress response in episode 67 if you want to learn more about that. But just know that when we stop drinking, there is an increase in stress chemicals like cortisol. Studies have found that heavy drinkers will have higher levels of cortisol throughout the day and that this effect is stronger in women than it is in men. Heavy drinking disrupts our cortisol system, and these changes have been associated with more cravings for alcohol, which makes sense because we are being sent signals to calm our nervous system in the form of cravings for alcohol. So the brain gets messed up and it starts relying on alcohol to regulate itself correctly because we're blasting it with alcohol consistently for such a long period of time. And that is why you get cravings because your body thinks that it needs alcohol to function. A 2009 study published in Alcoholism Clinical and Experimental Research injected rats with either saline or alcohol and tracked the response of endorphins and dynorphins in their brain. They found that with low to moderate doses of alcohol, endorphin release was increased in the brain and there was no real effect on dynorphin levels. So at low to moderate doses, there is a feeling of euphoria with no consequence. But higher doses of alcohol, which would be more than two standard drinks worth, did not increase endorphin release in the brain. And it did increase dynorphin release. Before I got sober, I used to talk to my husband all the time about why I couldn't stop at one or two drinks. He told me that it was like my brain said, two drinks is great, but three would feel better. And then after I had three, my brain would tell me that four would feel even better. 
We keep chasing the buzz by having additional drinks, but we don't get any additional pleasure from it. So like I said, after two drinks, the amount of endorphins that's released maxes out and there's no further pleasure from drinking alcohol. And at the same time, dynorphin release increases, so you start to have the misery cancel out the euphoria. Endorphins mainly bind to mu opioid receptors, and dynorphins bind to kappa opioid receptors, or KORs, I'm going to call them cores. But just know I'm not talking about like a cores beer, I'm talking about cores, K-O-R. Dynorphins cause dysphoria, which means discomfort, and anhedonia in humans, which is an inability to feel pleasure. Dynorphins actually block the release of dopamine, which is why they contribute to a lack of pleasure. So if you have a lot of dynorphin floating around, even if you do things that should provide a natural reward of dopamine, you won't feel good from it. The dynorphin system is thought to be involved in developing addictions, and having an overactive dynorphin system has been hypothesized to contribute to excessive alcohol-seeking and consumption in animals that are dependent on alcohol. There's also some evidence for genetic links between dynorphin core genes and alcohol dependence. So when this system gets messed up, this dynorphin system, it drives us to seek out and drink more alcohol, but only in animals that are addicted to alcohol. So this system is expressed throughout the whole brain, but there's a really dense population of dynorphin receptors in the amygdala, which you may remember is responsible for emotions like fear and anxiety. I talked a lot about the amygdala, in episode 106 when I described the amygdala hijack and getting overwhelmed. So check that one out if you haven't. But altered functioning in the amygdala has been found to impact emotional behavior, conditional learning, motivation, and decision making. So conditional learning is like with Pavlov's dogs where they learn to associate the sound of a bell with getting food. So eventually just ringing the bell made them salivate, even if there was no food in sight. Conditional learning for us are things that become cues that make us anticipate drinking. This could be like driving by your old liquor store or getting out of work on a Friday. A 2014 study published in Biological Psychiatry got male rats addicted to alcohol by exposing them to alcohol vapor and they put them into withdrawal and compared them to control rats that were not addicted to alcohol. So what they found was that for the addicted rats, they had increased dynorphin signaling in the brain and increased the amount of alcohol they drank in response. Dynorphin levels were significantly increased in the amygdala for these addicted rats compared to the control rats. So remember, dynorphin causes us to feel discomfort, anxiety, and depression. And those things drive drinking alcohol. When the researchers gave the rats an opioid receptor antagonist, it decreased the amount of alcohol that they drank. So an opioid antagonist is something like naltrexone and naloxone, which is also known as Narcan, and can be given to reverse an opioid overdose. So what naloxone does is it displaces the opioids from the mu receptors in the brain and it can save someone's life because it immediately improves their breathing and makes them more alert. 
And what naltrexone does is it also binds to opioid receptors, and this can be used in recovery. So this drug blocks opioid receptors and prevents endorphins or opioids from binding to them and causing the euphoria that you would normally feel from drinking alcohol or using drugs. You can drink on this medication, unlike something like antabuse, and it's designed to prevent you from feeling any pleasure. Since endorphins go on to cause the release of dopamine, which reinforces an addiction, this medication can also be used to prevent dependence. And it's also thought that naltrexone can help with cravings too. A combination of naltrexone and welbutrin, which is an antidepressant, is used to aid in weight loss because these drugs work together to reduce your appetite and how much you eat. Just a fun fact for you. So when the alcohol wears off, the brain starts releasing stress chemicals and dynorphin. And these, in addition to all the other ways that our neurotransmitters adapt from alcohol, create the negative emotional states that lead us back to drinking. We've talked a lot about these kappa opioid receptors or cores so far. And as a reminder, those are the receptors that dynorphin binds to. A 2016 study published in Cell Reports looked at the link between dynorphin and alcohol-induced anxiety in mice. And humans and mice have cores that work in the same way. So they found that when cores were activated, it caused anxiety. In a normal brain, our main excitatory neurotransmitter, glutamate, is well-regulated. If you listened to my previous episodes on anxiety, which were 22 and 64, then you may remember that when we drink alcohol, it slows our central nervous system down. The brain will adapt and release extra glutamate to attempt to speed the brain back up to normal. And this is why one glass of wine or one beer loses its effectiveness and we need more to get the same effect. When you stop drinking though, alcohol isn't slowing down your brain anymore and you have all of this extra glutamate present. This causes the brain to speed up even more and this is why you feel so anxious after the alcohol wears off and in the beginning of sobriety. Your brain is hyperactive and it needs to relearn how to calm itself down without alcohol. So we know that in withdrawal, dynorphin is released, which binds to cores and activates them. What this study found is that these activated receptors negatively impact the regulation of glutamate in the brain, and they basically shut off the anxiety-reducing pathway that exists in a normal, healthy brain. When these researchers deleted these cores or the kappa opioid receptors from the amygdala of the mice and then repeated the same process, they found that anxiety levels decreased. Studies on general anxiety, not alcohol-induced anxiety, have found that cores are expressed in stress-related regions of the brain and that stress exposure increases dynorphin levels. Human studies using a drug that stimulates cores found that participants experienced a lack of pleasure, anxiety, and abnormal behavior. And animal studies have consistently found that blocking cores leads to a reduction in anxiety. If you find yourself in the cycle of misery when you're drinking, hoping to make your buzz last, but it doesn't, and then you feel anxious, depressed, and empty the next day, then just know that alcohol is not helping your situation at all. It's hard to step outside the loop, 
but the exit point is right before you drink. A lot of us will get stuck thinking, if only my anxiety or depression would improve, then I would be able to stop drinking. But your mental health will not improve while you're drinking alcohol. It won't even stay the same. It'll just keep getting worse. So when you think about chasing the buzz, just remember that the buzz is limited to about two drinks. And then after that, when we keep drinking because we have no off switch and we have no ability to stop once we start, there are no more endorphins that are released and instead the brain starts releasing dynorphins to make us feel horrible. And those dynorphins don't just sit around and make us feel horrible, they mess with our brain and can cause anxiety. Whatever you do, just remember that drinking literally never helps. It never helps with anything. You are not alone. I believe in you. I believe that you can get out of this cycle if you're stuck in it. Or if you are free, I believe you can stay free from it. And I will talk to you next week. It's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.